listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. The Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast in collaboration with Pharmacy Podcast Network is for independent pharmacists to learn about the state of the industry, innovative services and solutions, and the future of pharmacy. Join me, your host, Jason Calori, for conversations with pharmacists, Cardinal Health leaders, and industry experts sharing best practices, discussing industry trends, and showcasing Cardinal Health products and services. You can subscribe to the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast. I am your host, Jason Kalori, and today we are celebrating National Pharmacist Month, and we will be highlighting some great stories from pharmacists all across the country in celebration of National Pharmacist Month. Uh, today, we are talking with David Dingman, a pharmacist owner of the Medicine Place and Fulton Medicine Place in central New York. He's a graduate of Albany College of Pharmacy and has been practicing pharmacy. This is his 30th year in pharmacy, which is pretty cool. Welcome to the show, David. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Excited. Yes. So uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, tell the audience and the listeners here uh, a little bit about yourself and, you know, what's uh, what's been going on in your pharmacy world? Uh, well, first of all, happy 30th anniversary. I think that's amazing. Thank you. Been in Thank pharmacy you. For 30 years. Has it uh, <laughs> does it feel like 30 years? Has it gone pretty has it gone pretty fast? It goes really quick, uh, <laughs> really quick. And, and the profession has changed dramatically over those years. Yes, very much. Uh, as you reflect back when you say it and you start getting the uh, the invites for the for the reunions and stuff, you, you tend to, to do some self-reflection. And it's uh, it takes you a while when you when you have that body of work to, to kind of go over. It takes a little time. So what got you into pharmacy? Um, was this a. Uh, a family thing. Obviously, you've been in the practice for for thirty years. Um, you you have two successful pharmacies that you're running out of New York. By the way, I'm I'm from New York, so that's a proud moment for me. So uh, good job on you for running two uh, two pharmacies out of New York. You're still Love representing, that. yeah. <laughs> still representing. That's right. Love that. Uh, so, what what made you get into the pharmacy? You know, way back when. Well, it, it was the mid '80s, and I was uh, you know going through high school and start being faced with these decisions uh, coming to the end of your high school career. What am I going to do after this? Uh, mm -hmm. I knew uh, college is what I wanted to do, but it, at the time I was a stock boy for a regional pharmacy chain called phase drugs. And phase uh, drugs. Can't, phase can't, drugs. Can't say I remember that one. That, that's yeah. Yeah. That was before the old Brooks and Eckerd and all that, but uh, mm -hmm. phase drugs in central New York. And uh, that's back when people used to change their own oil and we used to stock the oil and, and, and the end caps every weekend. So we, it was after school and, and, and weekends. And I remember the pharmacist, um, great guy, used to bring in donuts for us stock boys every Saturday morning. And we thought that was the best thing on the planet. We, we looked forward to going to work on Saturday morning knowing the pharmacist was going to bring us some donuts. So, you know, <laughs> that, that interaction kind of, uh, you know, as I'm stocking the shelves and I'm, I'm looking back there, I said, he's not exactly killing himself back there. It's not 100 degrees and he's not breaking his back. Maybe that's something I want to look into. Um, mm -hmm. Boy, boy, could I have been... I couldn't have been more wrong about what he does and, and 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 the value that he was bringing to the community at the time. But it just caught my eye from the from the uh, working around him and, and looking back there to uh, to see him interact with patients, and it, it just spurred the 
spurred the flame for me to, to, to look into it, pursue it. And I ended up applying to college and, and was accepted. And, and here I am 30 years later. From it's pretty amazing. It all, it, all started, it all started with a box of donuts. Saturday morning donuts every week. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's pretty cool because, I mean, you didn't really know anything about pharmacy at the time. You went in doing some stocking and you just kind of visualized and saw what was happening. And it just kind of spurned that fire in you, as you said. What was it that actually you saw him doing? I know you said, you said, you know, he's interacting with patients. He's doing some stuff behind the counter, which at the time you thought wasn't, you know, it didn't look like he was killing himself. But what was that kind of that main deciding factor that was like, okay, I think I can make this a career. Yeah, I think it was him being a solution-oriented individual. Everybody that came up to that counter had a question, a concern, a problem. And then by the time they left that counter, that question was answered, the concern was managed, or the problem was solved. And, and mm -hmm. to be uh, to be that inside of a community um, appealed to me that uh, you you can you can help others and and be able to solve these problems and be a resource for others to go to, to uh, look for advice and, and be able to truly help individuals. Yeah. It, so it just I, struck yeah. me as a, you know, a young 16, 17 year old man. It struck me. And, and that it was that very thing that uh, he, he stood behind that pharmacy and whatever came his way, he was ready for it and, and was able to solve it. He was, he was focused on the solutions. Yeah. So did you kind of use him as a sounding board at all? Or you just, you pretty much, because you were so young, you kind of worked from afar, just visualized, you know, maybe that could be you behind the counter one day, or did you Absolutely. actually have, did you have conversation with him and, and really kind of, you know, use him as a sounding board to, to find out more? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, once, once you have the soft introduction and he's, he's kind of taking care of us stock boys, it, you know, I started to ask questions and went through the application process and he was, he was a tremendous resource uh, all the way through college, you know, oh, uh, wow. and, that's great. Uh, as I came back as an intern, I'd, I'd work with him and, uh, you know, he was the one that spurned the light and, and kind of sparked the interest, but he was also the one that kind of molded me throughout the years and, and helped me through my uh, schooling years. And, uh, to, you know, he's since uh, retired now, but uh, I consider him a, you know, a, a tremendous asset and friend to, to help me on my path and, and help me make such uh, valuable decisions at such a young age. Because it's, it's a tough one, uh, you know, as my children are older now and they're going through the process of what do they want to be when they grow up and what do mm -hmm. they, they want to go to school for? Uh, I feel very fortunate that I was put on a, a solid path at that age and, and able to pursue the career I did and, and realize the potential that I have. All right, so kind of a two-part question for you. So your mentor, I'm sorry, what was his name again? Tom Goss. Okay, so your mentor, Tom Goss, what do you think his best attribute was as not only a pharmacist, but just a business owner? And then fast forward to now, 30 years in, what do you think your favorite part about being a pharmacist is? And what is your, what is your best uh, attribute that you think you have behind the counter? Well, he... <laughs> Well, his his he was a tremendous patience. Um, mm -hmm. he, I guess the best attribute we're kind of going off script here for what I'm prepared for, but I, I like it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, he listened to comprehend the problem as opposed mm -hmm. to, as opposed to just respond. Okay. Okay. So and there, there's an integral difference there, and he, he taught me that. He says when you when you're listening to somebody, you gotta you gotta hear what they're saying and also what they mean as opposed to just 
listening to respond to the question. And, and there, that was a, a very valuable lesson for, for a young man to learn. And uh, sure. it, it helps you, you know, professionally, personally, and, and throughout life in general, I thought. Yeah. So now how does that, so now if you kind of mirror yourself to that and kind of reflect back now being 30 years in, what do you think your best attribute and quality is? And um, pretty much what is your favorite part about being a pharmacist? Oh, the people, um, they, they come in and so willingly are able or are willing to accept you as, um, as a person that has, that, that can bring value to their, to their life, to their problems, to their issues. Mm -hmm. So willing to bring you into that, into that circle, it's, it's cherished because, uh, it, it takes a lot, especially in today's environment, to have somebody come up to you and, and listen for your opinion, because mm -hmm. usually they have their own formulated and they're going to stick to that. Yeah. But for them, you know, it, 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 I tell all my interns and all my new graduates and the, and the young pharmacists that I hire, um, you, you have to earn respect. You can't demand it. And, you know, the, these uh, these young professionals are coming out of school with their PharmD and they've been propped up and, and told that they're, you know, these these uh, health practitioners and their doctors. But that doesn't mean anything to the to the patient. And until you listen to them and, and work with them, um, you, you cannot uh, kind of pontificate and, and, and dictate. You, you have to work the problem with them. That's it's very important. Yeah, that's a common thread that I've heard uh, a lot of, you know, young folks coming in and, you know, kind of wanting to get that respect immediately, uh, just based on, you know, maybe some college experience they've had. But I mean, it's a whole nother animal when you get behind the counter and you start. And, and to your point, you know, each and every community that you work in, you know, it's different. So you have to be able to adapt as well. Adaptability. Can you talk a little bit about adaptability and how important that is in pharmacy? Well, it's as a pharmacy owner, it's integral. Um, yeah. You have to you have to be in touch. The small villages and cities that I work in, you have to be in touch with city hall and what projects the community is doing um, to to put yourself, make yourself available to help in any 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 way that uh, may be needed. Uh, so you know, we 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 all sponsor little league teams and pop Warner teams, and and that and that's great and that's fantastic. But having gone through Practicing in my hometown where I grew up and having raised three children of my own through there where they played sports and they've been in the band. Um, and I've, you know, been coaches and I've been on boards and, and I've done these things. You, you're just you weave yourself right into the community and then people will seek you out and say, hey, you know, he's just like us. He's over here coaching. He's rooting his kid on on, on Friday night lights at the football game. They're, we're no different. But by becoming part of the community and getting involved with a more of an elbow to elbow thing, uh, cleaning parks with the lions club on the weekends, you become more approachable and, and, and people are, when you let your guard down, people will come in. Love that. Yeah. So what is the one piece of advice you would give to someone who wants to become a pharmacist? Um, you know, I would go back to the listening that, that was, that was big for me to, to, mm -hmm. to learn, how to, to learn how to listen is very big. And, and once you graduate, uh, you know, the school does a fantastic job of making you a clinician and a practitioner and a healthcare provider, but 
I, I, I'm afraid that they beat some of the human element out of you. I, I, I would stay in touch with yourself and, and, and to be a good citizen and, and, and find a way to integrate that knowledge and that possibility of what you can bring to the community on, on an even keel level rather than uh, expecting everybody to come up to your counter and genuflect. It's just not going to happen. But uh, to, to stay humble, to stay mm -hmm. humble, you know, to, to don't complain, work hard and and things will work out. If you take care of the, if you take care of your community, your community will take care of you. And, you know, some of the big box uh, retailers, you know, they get you filling 400 scripts and doing a hundred shots a day and you get burnt out pretty quick. But if you, if you take care of the community and do what's right for, for whoever's standing in front of you, it, it, it comes around and they end up taking care of you. I love that. It's not so much about, I think when you have a tendency to start your own business, obviously you want your business to thrive. You want it to grow. You want to do well and you want to focus on that business. But I love the idea of focusing on the community that you're a part of and the business will come. So, yeah, if you build it, it will come. Um, you know, sometimes you're like a monkey dancing on a razor blade. Yeah, you really are. It's, it's, tough. <laughs> it's tough to balance at, uh you know, the business owner and, and the health practitioner, it's tough to balance, to, to find a, a, a harmonious balance there. But uh, I think that's what the, the years in the business have, have helped me with. Uh, I have a tremendous staff. I enable them, um, both, you know, the, the, the pharmacist I have and the support staff, the technicians, the clerks. If you're able to empower them and, and enable them to do more and give them job satisfaction as part of the team, uh, rather than just say this is your job, you stay over there. You, you, you got to do it as a team, and that's uh, they they find more value in coming to work, and they're happier, and and that that conveys to the patient as as, as part of the team. Absolutely love that. Um, yeah. All right, this is probably gonna be your toughest question here, and your last okay. one today. Sure. And I, you know, yeah, like you said, you've been in, you've been uh, you've been doing it for thirty years now. Can you share your favorite patient store or experience you've had as a pharmacist? You're your favorite patient uh, patient story, I should say. Maybe your. Uh, it's. I, it's I, I know it's. I know it's going to be hard to pick out, but if there's it, it really is. Yeah, it's, I mean, some make you laugh, some make you cry. Yeah. Um, I have I have two two in particular that really and the story's pretty much the same. They they were uh, younger than ten years old, both diagnosed with leukemia. Okay. And they come in and and to see the mom and the dad come in with the deer in the headlights and just getting that unbelievable, terrible news. And, and you know, and they got the little one. One was a boy and one was a girl. Mm -hmm. And, they, you know, to go through the process of becoming part of the plan, the treatment plan, becoming part of the process, um, learning as I went, you know, as a retail pharmacy, you're 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 not exposed to the inside clinical treatments as much, but uh, learning as I went to become part of the team so I could support them as they had questions um, to raising, you know, doing fundraisers locally to help them uh, to, to support them through the Make-A-Wish Foundation process and seeing them thrive. Uh, the, these young warriors thrive through the, the, the fight, the, the biggest fight that anybody could have. Uh, was was a tremendous value to be to be welcomed into that environment, and now fifteen years later, to have them come in with a family of their own and wow. fill the positions for their kids. Wow, doesn't get, any, doesn't get any better than that. That's amazing, man. It does not get any better than that. That's 
you know, to, to be part of that journey and see it uh, from the lowest lows to now I, I consider it the highest of highs to see the win and, and, and be, have them still coming to me is uh, I'll never let that go. That's uh, that's, that's what keeps me going. Yeah, that's that's absolutely incredible and very inspiring. I think to a lot of people that are listening. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, what can I say, Dave? Thank you so much for what you do. Um, and I think, you know, being, you know, National Pharmacist Month, uh, you know, I, I think uh, we all listening can, you know, thank for you and other pharmacists that just for that story you told are doing exactly that. So, you know, thank you, David, again for your willingness to participate, taking some time to talk with us. And uh, just keep doing what you're doing. I, I think uh, that last story was amazing. And I think you have a lot of good advice for some, a lot of good advice for a lot of different students coming into the fold. And yeah. I think you definitely use you as a, as a sounding board. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, I have so many tremendous colleagues and I'm humbled to to even have the ability to share my story because I've, I've, uh, I've been molded over the years by my colleagues and others that have done it before me and, and shown me the path of how to do it and how to do it the, you know, the, the way that I found it way to do it but uh, congratulations to every professional out there to celebrate this month and happy to be part of the profession all right david well thanks again for uh hanging out here with me on the uh, cardinal health counter talk podcast and we will talk to you very soon appreciate it thanks have a great day thanks hello everyone and welcome back to the cardinal health counter talk podcast i'm your host jason clory and today we continue our important series during national pharmacist month here in october by highlighting some incredible pharmacists and their personal journeys. Today, we welcome Glenn Peralt, owner of Colonial Pharmacy from New London, New Hampshire. He has worked there since 1993 until he purchased Colonial Pharmacy back in 2010. Glenn is a New Hampshire native and graduated from Massachusetts College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. Welcome to the show, Glenn. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, how's New Hampshire treating you this time of year? New Hampshire is a little chilly this time of year. It's, <laughs> <laughs> we got down into the 30s a couple nights ago, and uh, the leaves are changing uh, changing nicely. It's pretty time of year to be here in New Hampshire. I was going to say, is that kind of an early fall switch for you guys? It is a little early, yes, absolutely. Mm. All right, well, tell us a little bit about yourself before we kind of you know take a deep dive into some of the other questions I have for you. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about your background, um, about your education, you know, ultimately, why did you decide to become a pharmacist? Sure. So, um, like you mentioned, I've been, I've been a pharmacist for, uh, 40 years. I've been an independent pharmacist for about, um, 31 of those 40 years, um, started out with Hannaford, a Hannaford chain called Welby Superdrug. And, uh, when they were purchased, by Rite Aid, the, the writing was on the wall, and so I made it. I made the switch to independent, um, and haven't regretted it one bit. Um, I'm pretty active in the community up here. Um, uh, still volunteer for the high school for their winter outing club, and and do several winter camping trips. Um, so, what made me decide to become a pharmacist? That was uh, pretty interesting. My, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do out of high school. So I went to a community college and was able to still play sports. And last semester of community college, my father says, okay, you're ready to go in the Navy now. <laughs> and that was, uh, that was a, <laughs> a, a rude awakening. 
Um, just it, the way I got into pharmacy was absolute pure luck. Had a really good friend from high school whose father owned a pharmacy in Haverhill, Mass. Um, I was with him and visited his father at the store, became really intrigued. And speaking to him, he said, well, you got to be really good at chemistry, which, which was my passion, which I really loved to do in high school. Um, and so his son says, well, I got to go to Mass College of Pharmacy to take a final. Why don't you come down with me? So I hitched a ride with him down to Mass College of Pharmacy. And, you know, I'm just a wide-eyed New Hampshire boy walking around the foyer. And someone from the admissions office saw me, asked me what I was doing there, and invited me into his office for a chat. And so I tell the story how I talked my way into pharmacy school. And I had the interview before I, I did the... Uh, the application. And, and that's how I ended up going to Mass College of Pharmacy and, and really, you know, loving pharmacy. Um, I had uh, a really great mentor um, as, a, as a pharmacy student back in Salem, New Hampshire, who really um, gave me a passion for independent pharmacy. Wow, that's that's quite a uh, reverse of fortune there. You're, you're just kind of, you know, thinking, oh my God, I'm going to end up in the Navy. And you start working out the pharmacy and you're like, wow, this is kind of what I want to do. Uh, going back to that story, what sports were you playing? Did you think like you were going to, was your passion to play sports and maybe turn pro in whatever you were playing those days? Oh, oh no. I mean, back then I was, I was six foot one and playing basketball. So oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I know there was no, <laughs> my, 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 my favorite varsity sport in high school. And, and, and one that I, that, that I was, I played very well was football. Um, mm -hmm. But the small, the small junior college didn't have a football team. So, so basketball it was, and um, truly enjoyed it for two years. And, Met my met, met my wife, who was the cheerleader for for the team, um, and um, yeah. So so all that stuff happened. You ended up uh, working at this pharmacy. Tell us a little bit about because this is something that's been a recurring topic, and it's the mentorship. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your mentor, what what he's meant to you, um, and about the the importance of mentorship, especially I think in pharmacy or becoming a pharmacist and more importantly, becoming a pharmacy owner. Yeah. So he, um, there was a small four or five store independent chain in the state of New Hampshire called hospital pharmacy. Um, he was uh, a brother of the owner and, um, he was very, very passionate about independent pharmacy, uh, kind of took me under his wing and as a student at a, at a really small, primarily dispensing pharmacy, I did everything there from deliver prescriptions, filling prescriptions and cleaning and vacuuming, you know, <laughs> the, the, the pharmacy. Yeah. Um, he introduced me to um, uh, compounding. And um, I believe that we were either the first or second pharmacy in the state to have an online uh, pharmacy computer system. Wow. But he, 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 yeah, he, he was great. He taught me everything, uh, everything from some, some of the business aspects to, to buying. He, um, he was the purchaser for the small chain and it was my responsibility as a student to divide up the order and, um, 
package and label back then we did all our ordering direct to manufacturers and yeah i i mean i i did it all you know strung christmas lights in the winter <laughs> whatever had to be done whatever had to be done and i and, and truthfully I, I have that mentality now whatever it takes whatever you got to do so have you uh, kind of passed it forward and, you know, into your years now as a, you know, a seasoned veteran of, of the pharmacy business? Have you found yourself being a mentor for anyone in particular? Um, so no one in particular. I do have, I currently have a uh, very young pharmacist. Uh, he's been out of pharmacy school for less than a year. Um, he's great individual. Um, I don't know how long we're going to have him. His wife is doing a residency at uh, Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center. So I know mm -hmm. I got him for at least three years. Yeah. Um, but we're hoping to put that passion in him and 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 hopefully find a, uh, a successor. That's awesome. So that really brings us well into the next question here was just what is your favorite part about being a pharmacist overall? I know it's probably hard to pick I think when I ask this question, a lot of people could go a lot of different directions, but usually there is an aspect of being a pharmacist that does stand out. So, Glenn, what is yours? Oh, boy, that is really tough. I don't, you know, it's really easy to give like a canned response like, oh, boy, I love helping people. But, you know, yeah. I mean, I think anyone who goes into a health profession, that that's their that's their idea. I, I just think it's the, um, so I, I love independent pharmacy mm -hmm. more than just pharmacy. Um, you, you can tailor your business to meet the needs of the people on the fly. There's no permission. There's no lengthy process. Um, I like the fact that I can hire people who have, the same philosophy that I do that mm -hmm. um, if you take care of your patients and clients, then they will take care of you. Um, I love being the go-to in the community, regardless of what it is, whether it's a health-related um, problem or just um, volunteering at uh, ski swaps or uh, you know, different events in the, in the, in the community. So it sounds like you really just love not only the people, but the flexibility you make your own kind of make your own decisions. We've talked about this before, how being an independent pharmacy allows you to kind of, you know, jump over or skip through the red tape. If you want to make a decision on the fly, that's best for your pharmacy and your community. You can do it like that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I recognized several years ago that, um, you know, if you were a pharmacy that counted pills and threw them in a bottle, that you weren't going to be a pharmacy for very long. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, had the opportunity to just um, begin shifting the 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 focus of the pharmacy while maintaining our, you know, our patient population and our our prescription clientele, but shifting over into other um, clinical services. You know, the the first one was immunizations, just like everybody did. Um, but we've expanded now into point of care testing. I have several, you know, protocols in place with physicians that allows me to test and treat COVID flu and strep and um, want to expand into RSV. And it's just being able to, uh, you know, like you said, change, change on the fly and implement new ideas without having them, you know, uh, approved by a higher 
board or whatever. A higher, a higher power. Yeah, exactly. Totally. A higher yeah. power. Exactly. That's... Totally get it. <laughs> well, if you could, uh, if you could give one piece of advice to someone who wants to become a pharmacist, who's maybe looking to uh, get into the business of pharmacy, and this could be, you know, whether or not they're deciding to go into school to become a pharmacist, whether or not they're want to go chain versus independent or just, you know, any, any sort of, sort of advice that you would give them overall, what would that be? So, you know, hindsight being 2020 and being a guy who started as a chain store pharmacist, my mm -hmm. biggest piece of advice would be don't be lured by the chain store. Don't be lured by, by the, you know, the big dollars that they're going to flash in front of your eyes. Mm -hmm. They are going to demand a pound of flesh for those dollars that they give you. Um, I, I would seriously consider um, if it's not a clinical role at a medical center, um, look into independent pharmacy and, um, you know, expand the clinical services in that independent pharmacy if, if that's what your passion is to, to um, you know, be a clinical based pharmacist. Um, that, that would be my, that would be my advice is practice at the top of your license. Anyone can throw pills in a bottle, mm -hmm. but you didn't go to pharmacy school for six years to just throw pills in a bottle. So being in the industry so long, Glenn, I have to ask, what is, what has kind of been the, the uh, prevailing theory that you have seen from either new students coming out of school to become pharmacists? Are a lot of them willing to do more than just throw pills in a bottle? Are they... Lean, are they leaning more on uh, technology? What's kind of that prevailing, uh, you know, that prevailing trait that you're that you're noticing from new pharmacy students coming out of college and into the into the real world as a pharmacist? So I, I actually see a pretty good. I actually see a mix. There's there's not mm -hmm. one just one uh, demographic. You're always going to see the person who comes out and they're going to chase the big dollars. They have large student debt. They want that high hourly rage, uh -huh. wage, and, and they're willing to sacrifice their, their personal life just, just to you know, chase the dollars. However, that being said, um, the last several NCPA conferences that I've been to, I'm mm -hmm. seeing a lot more students coming out who want to own pharmacies, who want to expand clinical services in their pharmacies. Um, and that's super encouraging to me. I mean, not only as an older pharmacist who, who's looking to, um, you know, uh, have somebody continue the legacy here of this independent pharmacy, but just for, just for pharmacy in general. Um, you know, we are, it's a cliche, but we're the number one, um, we see patients more frequently than any other area of healthcare. Mm -hmm. We make primary care decisions every single day. Um, you know, a lot of the public doesn't consider us primary care um, providers, but when they come in and they say, hey, what can I take for this allergy? What can I put on this poison ivy? Um, that's a primary care intervention. Uh, and we're yeah. seeing we're seeing a lot more of that. And we're seeing a lot more pharmacy students um, who are coming out and and want that aspect of, be, of being a pharmacist rather than just the count poor lick and stick.
I love that. I love that you brought that up because I think that's one of the most important aspects in pharmacy that we have today that we're seeing is being, like you said, more than just a, a pill filler, obviously being that that go-to person in the community, um, that beacon of uh, of trust and, and accountability. And I, I love that, that you said that. So thank you so much for that, which, which mm-hmm. brings me into my next question here. Um, share with us your favorite patient story experience that you've had as a pharmacist, whether it be a family that you've helped, whether it be a specific patient, whether it be an event that you helped put together and saw the community come together. What, what was that uh, one or a couple moments that you've had in your past that really stands out? So, you know, I, I've spoken to before different community groups, um, council on aging, you know, Parkinson's groups, men's groups, but there's one, there was one event that happened here in town back in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. We had a horrific ice storm here. It shut the town down. The national guard came in, would not allow anybody in anybody out. Uh, we had lost power, colonial pharmacy. We went out and we purchased um, three gas, you know, portable generators. Mm-hmm. We had one telephone line that didn't go through our our system. And we stayed in this pharmacy and we hand wrote labels and filled prescriptions by Coleman, Coleman Lanterns and we so colonial pharmacy or new london is between two exits on egg, on route 89 in new hampshire between exit 11 and exit 12. okay and at the top of the hour we would meet patients at the park and ride off of exit 12. Mm-hmm. and at the bottom of the hour we would meet patients at this little local restaurant called the flying goose um and we would deliver patients we would deliver patients' prescriptions to them, um, to those two locations. And we operated that way for a week until they cleared enough of the trees, restored enough of the power lines uh, to let people come back into town. And I just think, I think, you know, I'm patting myself on the back here, but, you know, not only is that a testament to colonial pharmacy, but I think it's a testament to independent pharmacies because there are pharmacies like that that have those adversities all over the country that, that do things like that. Well, uh, Glenn, Glenn, when you say ice, when you say ice storm, what, like, what are we talking about here? We're talking about, is now you're talking about like hail. Or so we're talking, yeah. no. So, so we, we, our temperature was right on the edge between, it was a freezing rainstorm that put about a half an inch of ice on everything. Wow. We had we had trees snapping in half. We had telephone poles snapping in half. Um, yeah, the, the the roads were were covered by a sheet of ice everywhere you went. So wait, so then how did you guys get those prescriptions to one the park and ride and then the to the other side at the restaurant? Were you guys driving in this? We were. So um fortunately, um Newport Road and and Main Street in New London is is a state route. So it's a fairly okay. wide road. Okay. And so we had an all-wheel drive delivery vehicle. All right. As, as many people do in the Northeast. And 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 we just um the National Guard help us keep keep an alleyway open. 
to both ends of town. And, and that's basically the way it was. We coordinated everything with the National Guard um, and um, emergency workers so that we could do our, uh, our deliveries at the, at the top and the bottom of the hour. Dude, that's uh that's pretty amazing, Glenn. I mean, I know you said you didn't want to really pat yourself on the back, but that's that's worth patting yourself on the back for. It was, and, and it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun actually. It was, <laughs> you know, you, you um, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, how did your how did your patients react to this type of uh, commitment and service? Oh, they were in, incredibly appreciative. Between you know, between the doctors in town, we would we would. Um, we would send our delivery driver uh, when they weren't driving for uh, uh, prescriptions. They would drive over to the, the the two main medical practices in town and and pick up any documents. Uh, you know, back then you had to have all the uh, uh, narcotic prescriptions written on pieces of paper, and so mm-hmm. they would they would pick up the documents and they would bring them back to the pharmacy when they weren't delivering prescriptions. It was very well received. It was, um, we received a lot of accolades for that. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, wow. I don't, I don't think we could really go any further from there. I absolutely love that story. Uh, Glenn, I really want to say thanks to you for joining us for our show today, providing so much valuable information for our independent pharmacy listeners. Um, everybody out there, please continue to celebrate American Pharmacist Month. And thanks for subscribing to the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and listening to Glenn's incredible uh, stories here. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe and download the Cardinal Health Countertop podcast wherever you get your podcast. See you soon on the next episode. Take care, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cardinal Health Countertop podcast. I'm your host, Jason Calori, and today... We are continuing an important series during National Pharmacist Month here in October by highlighting some incredible pharmacists and their personal journeys. Today, we welcome Lori Wood, clinical pharmacist at Community Pharmacies, which is an independently owned chain of pharmacies in the beautiful state of Maine. Lori is a 2014 University of New England graduate from the College of Pharmacy and a New England native. Welcome to the show, Lori. Thank you, Jason. So uh, so up in Maine, you're, what part of Maine are you from? So I'm originally from Westbrook, which is right next to Portland, but I currently live in central Maine, just south of Augusta. South of Augusta. Okay. Yeah, I was, uh, we were kind of talking before we started uh, recording this on how, how much I love Maine. It was beautiful and visited there in Acadia Mountain and seeing the sunrise and sunset. It's, it's really beautiful there. I can't agree anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you've been there all your life, but, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and what did, you know, what, what made you want to become a pharmacist? We always kind of like to add, ask that question, kind of take a little bit of a deep dive and, you know, was there something growing up or is it something you just kind of fell into or did you always know you wanted to become a pharmacist? Well, when I was young, my mom used to take me to the grocery store with her. She was a single mom of, well, not single, but stay-at-home mom of five. And I was the youngest with a generous age gap between me and the next group. (laughs) So there's the four of them and then me. So I was her little tag-along buddy with all of her adventures. So she would take me to the grocery store and kind of drop me off (laughs) at the blood pressure cuff at the pharmacy because that's where I would sit quietly while she got her shopping done. Okay. I found it fascinating to watch the 
adults in the white coats going back and forth doing their routine. But more specifically, being the person that people would go to to ask their questions. Well, that's pretty cool. So you're, I mean, you were pretty impressed upon at a, at a young age. Definitely. There's not a lot else going on up here in Maine. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, when you, when you kind of, what was the thing that you saw besides, you know, being the go-to uh, person at the counter? Was there any other part of the pharmacy that, that you were looking around and observing that kind of fascinated you? Um, as a child, that was really the memory that stuck out was the people just going and asking to speak to the person in the white coat. Mm -hmm. um, and then they would have recommendations. Sometimes they would take them out into the aisles and show them exactly what they were looking for. Sometimes they asked me to move so they could take a blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they they never really minded my presence there. Okay, um, so do you feel like the um, as you got older, do you feel like you know, some of that imparted on you to become a, a, a pharmacist? So I would say that probably my junior year of high school, my father started asking, like, what are you going to do with your life? You know, you could be anything. Um, and I really thought back and I took an aptitude test and it said that magic word pharmacist. And it made me really think about how I wanted to live my life. And you know, I grew up with a stay at home mom. So mm -hmm. I knew that having a family was going to be something important to me. And as I explored pharmacy as a profession, um, some of the entry, entry level opportunities were pretty flexible. And I knew that that would be important to me. But I also wanted to make sure that I was challenging myself mentally. And the more that I explored pharmacy, it just seemed like a great fit for me. Did you have a kind of a mentor uh, as you made your way up the ranks and, you know, to becoming a pharmacist? Uh, I, I think mentorship is something we've highlighted here uh, in this series and feeling like it's pretty important for, you know, pharmacists to, you know, guide younger pharmacists and, and uh, you know, different people coming out of school with questions and trying to find those answers and, and, and get some guidance as to where they should go next. Did you have a mentor in your life? I mean, it might not have even been a pharmacist. It could have been, like you said, it could have been your mom, your your dad. It, was there a mentor that kind of helped you along your path? So mentors. I would say that I had an English teacher in high school mm -hmm. that really pushed me um, to explore the opportunities. When I was in high school, there weren't colleges of pharmacy in Maine. Um, and as I was graduating, UNE was opening their doors to their first class of students for the pharmacy track. Wow. Okay. I ended up, I ended up being the second class. Um, wow. You were, the second class ever. you were the second class ever in that college of pharmacy? Correct. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So Maine opened two pharmacy schools at the same time. One was in the South. And that's the one that I attended. And one was in the North um, Bangor area, Husson. And I would say that, you know, she, my high school teacher pushed me to pursue uh, new <laughs> and maybe scary opportunities. Um, but when I got into pharmacy, so because it was all pretty new and we all helped lay the groundwork in the state for how to 
become pharmacy educators and how to have successful classes of students, mm-hmm. I would say that there's these things called um, practice experiences. There's introductory and advanced when you're actually in the pharmacy program. And when I got into my advanced practice, I met someone named Amelia. <laughs> and she's, she's actually very wonderful. Um, okay. I would say that she is now still my mentor and colleague. She works with community pharmacies as well in the main office. And she was really a pioneer for the state as far as legislature and practice goes. Um, So she pushed me in my last year of school to pursue a residency. And basically a residency is what we say is five years of practice crammed into all one year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) So they... The community pharmacies offered me a job before I was even done with school. Mm-hmm. And I had to decline with the caveat that I wanted to go away to a more progressive state and learn what I could to bring it home. Oh, to me. okay. That's a, that's a smart move, I think, for sure. And Amelia definitely supported me, even though she wanted me on the pharmacy roster, if you will. Yeah. She wanted you to stay, but yet at the same time, she wanted you to go and learn as much as she could. Right. And I did. I went away to Pennsylvania. Um, I practiced at a an independent community pharmacy that partnered with Wilkes University and St. Luke's University Hospital. So part of that experience was that I was seeing my own patients at St. Luke's, making recommendations to the doctors that they would listen to and bring back um, to the care team and say, yes, that's an appropriate recommendation. And I would have a compounding lab. Um, I would do long-term care pharmacy. I did travel medicine clinics and I did some legislature days. I also precepted students from Wilkes University and Temple and a couple other places during my first year out as a pharmacist. Wow. Talk about like a full, just a, just a, uh, a full crash course in everything pharmacy. And that, that I, I mean, I think that's a, that's probably one of the, I don't think we've heard that yet kind of doing a, um, you know, a crash course like that, almost a, uh, you know, if you will, a, a smorgasbord of, uh, of different pharmacy tasks you got to learn, like you said, cramming five years of experience into one year. I mean, that's, that, that sounded pretty intense. I mean, how, how has, in in your in your opinion, so you were the, you said you were the second class. How have the how's the the, the evolving education gone in uh, in New England since uh, since that second year that that you were there? So I think um, there's been shifts. There's been peaks and valleys as far as filling the classes completely and then maybe not filling the seats in the schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you can see that in the market as well for pharmacists. Um, I think the bigger conversation here is what the graduates have been able to accomplish, the ones that have stayed in Maine. So for an example, I, I had mentioned that I wanted to go to a more progressive state and learn how 
they got to a more progressive place in their pharmacy practice and their legislature, because legislature really can be a barrier to healthcare professionals. Well, when I started school, pharmacy school, I was the second class and pharmacists didn't immunize. Yeah. So the professors that came from around the country to open these schools, they brought their knowledge from around the country and really catapulted the profession forward. So we went from the least advanced state to one of the most advanced. And actually this year, legislation was passed during this past session where pharmacists in Maine can immunize under their own authority for any adults, 18 and older, as long as the vaccination is FDA approved and recommended by CDC's ACIP. Wow, that's incredible. So there's been, I, I would imagine there's been quite a, a boost of immunizations now that are done, you know, all throughout uh, the state of Maine. Well, <laughs> I think, um, yes, but we're now seeing it at a more accessible level. So mm-hmm. Maine, the entirety of Maine is considered rural healthcare. So to be able to have a healthcare professional available for a patient to, you know, maybe it's 10 miles into the pharmacy, for them to be able to go and receive free medical advice and potentially free immunization services mm-hmm. is key here. Oh, that's amazing. Um, no, thank you for that insight. I think that's really interesting. Uh, just, again, I mean, I learn always something new, especially from a state to state type of basis, uh, you know, when talking to different pharmacists and all the ones that we've talked about, you know, for this series. Uh, really interesting insight there. Um, I kind of want to bring it back to, you know, to you in particular, Lori, um, with all that you've talked about here so far, uh, just what is your favorite part about being a pharmacist? Education, I think. So in my current role, I'm one of the most easily accessible healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. I'm clinically trained. And I'm practicing in the community setting, which is kind of unique to be a clinical pharmacist practicing at what some people used to call retail pharmacy. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, that's part of what I like about it. I like to be that accessible, free point of care. So this allows me to use my knowledge and my skills to answer patient self-care questions, as well as to direct them to other healthcare professionals when their inquiry is more suited for a different discipline. So if it's something that is out of my scope, I can say, this is who you need to see and you need to try to get in now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, kind of building on that. um, So you said education is kind of your your biggest focus as far as your relationships with with physicians in your area. How has that evolved over the course of time? So in my practice setting, we have um, some rural healthcare centers. We have Sheepscot Valley Healthcare Center and Richmond Area Healthcare Center. And those providers, they don't hesitate to pick up the phone and call in. And at my pharmacy, when you call in, oftentimes I'm the one who answers the phone. Okay. And I say, hi, how may I help you? And (laughs) they say, can I talk to the pharmacist? And I say, you got her. And they'll proceed to have this discussion and to be able to be part of a patient's care team where we can coordinate so closely, even though we're not physically in the same location is pretty incredible. 
Uh, so that actually brings me, you know, really easily into the next question here, because you 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 talked about education, you've talked about kind of the strides that has been made in Maine and uh, some of the challenges as well. Uh, your your favorite part about being a pharmacist, you said, is education. So when we talk about that, what is the one piece of advice you would give to someone who wants to become a pharmacist? So, you know, you have that educational background. You obviously have a um, almost kind of a mentorship side to you that you, you know, you like to kind of guide and talk to folks and, you know, give them the right direction to go. And so what is that one piece of advice you would give to a new pharmacist or someone thinking about wanting to become a pharmacist? Yeah, <clears throat> I would say. <laughs> Lori's like, there's so much I can, so much advice I could give. <laughs> there really is. There certainly is a lot to think about. Um, this profession can really take you anywhere you want to take it as long as you're putting the work in. Well, I guess I would say, maybe to make it easier, think about it like this. If if you, would your advice be wanting to give to someone that's about to go into school and what to expect or would you feel like it would be someone just coming out of school? Where would you, where do you think like you would lean? I think I could do the best from the beginning. So somebody thinking about going into school, okay. I would say that this career takes dedication and passion. And if you Google pharmacist salary, you'll see pretty dazzling numbers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but as with anything, if you don't enjoy the work, it won't be worth it. So my advice would be to get as much exposure to the profession as you can before you're solidly into pharmacy school. Okay. So you mean, you know, working for different practices and, you know, different, exactly. different settings. Okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. I think, you know, the, the most experience you could get under your belt before even becoming an owner, I think, um, or whether you just want to stay in, like you said, like a community setting, I think is extremely important. Uh, let's yeah. see here. Okay. I'm sorry. Let's please edit that out. <laughs> All right. So last question here, Lori, uh, can you share your favorite patient store or experience you've had as a pharmacist? So um, I think this is the best part uh, of, of these interviews that we've been doing as far as talking to the different pharmacies and trying to figure out what that story is. What's the most impactful story that you've come across? And it, you know, it may not have to be something recent, could be something from a long time ago, but what is that, what is that patient story or experience that you have that has just resonated with you over the course of time? Okay. So I did prepare something for this question because oh, she's this took a lot of thought. <laughs> um, a memorable <laughs> encounter for me was during the later months of 2021. There's a little bit of background necessary for your understanding here. Okay. There were vaccine technologies being put to use in the United States for the first time on a notable level in early 2021, you know, COVID. Mm -hmm. People were hesitant about the mRNA technology in these vaccines. And I saw an educational need and opportunity and took it upon myself to use the skills that I've learned through school and daily practice to do my own independent research on the technologies so that I would be better educated but also confident in explaining it all to my patients. What I found when I looked into this was decades of research from other countries. I recall finding an article um, that was German and it was published years prior explaining the mRNA technologies. My first comfort was that the technology wasn't new. 
It had been around and studied. I ended up translating that German article into English myself. <laughs> that way I could read it and understand it and use it as the tool to educate my patients who ended up inquiring. My favorite part, I have a regular couple who are patients at my practice site and the wife is immunocompromised. They came in to seek my knowledge on the matter. And I was able to take five minutes to explain to them how the technology worked. I even drew them pictures <laughs> to hear their concerns and provide accurate answers to their questions. I also let them know that vaccines don't prevent illness, but help give our bodies the best chance to quickly fight the illness off. I told them now that they have the information, they will need to decide what's best for their healthcare. Ultimately, they both decided to be vaccinated with the mRNA vaccines. And a few months later, the husband came in to tell me his wife had contracted the disease and her doctors had told them that if she hadn't been vaccinated, her health, co her health care outcomes would have been dire. He wanted to thank me for helping them in an unbiased way to make an educated decision for their needs. And to see my practice help people have favorable health care outcomes is why I'm proud to do my job each day. Wow, that's an incredible story. Do you still keep in contact with that couple? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> they come in every Wednesday night. I was going to say, they they sound like they're regular customers. <laughs> Even if they don't need anything, they pop by to say hello. Oh, that's amazing. And how is she doing now? Um, You know, immunocompromised, but living mm. her life. Okay. Well, she's, you know, they're very lucky to have you uh, to help Lori. So we really appreciate all you do for the community. Well, thank you. Well, I want to say thanks to Lori for joining us here on the show and providing so much valuable information for our independent pharmacy listeners. Please continue to celebrate American Pharmacists Month. And thanks for subscribing to the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe and download the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast wherever you get your podcast. See you on the next episode. Thanks again to Lori and take care, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cardinal Health Counter Talk podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kalora, and today we continue our important series during National Pharmacist Month here in October by highlighting some incredible pharmacists and their personal journeys. Today, we welcome Manzil Panchal, owner, pharmacist, uh, is a fellow graduate from Long Island University School of Pharmacy. He has over 10 years of experience in the field of pharmacy, working in a variety of settings from retail to hospital pharmacy. Manzil is originally from India and moved to the States in 2005. Uh, Manzil, his wife, Hamanchi, has a four-year-old son named Shayan. During his free time, he enjoys spending time with his son and playing sports like cricket and volleyball. He enjoys traveling and experiencing different cultures with his family every year. Uh, welcome to the show, Manzil. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing good. I hope I uh, didn't screw up all those names too bad. But no, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Zill, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you have a really interesting background. I did read your bio and I did want to, you know, leave it for you to discuss some of the, some of your, uh, a little bit of your story um, in getting to the United States and uh, how you became a pharmacist. So um, uh, I'm currently um, like the owner and, uh, you know, pharmacist at East Norton Pharmacy here in uh, Philadelphia. Um, the mm -hmm. originally I came to US in like 2005, as you said. Um, originally, I have a bachelor of pharmacy, but 
from India. And when I came here in the US, I was going through Long Island University for my master program. Um, so I came in and during the school year, I was kind of working as a part-time pharmacy tech during the independent pharmacy where I came across with uh, how the retail settings work here because it is kind of different than back home and what forces mm -hmm. here. So I kind of came to know that how the independent pharmacy has a greater influence on the patients, how they closely work with the patients, and which kind of makes me more interested into the career. And so I had an option after my master's to go for like a retail or I can go with the industry to doing research. But since I was working in the retail industry as a pharmacy tech, I kind of came to know about knowing how it's kind of, you know, pharmacies involves in reaching life with the patients and how they educate patients and, you know, how they change their, you know, life for being bad well-being. And it kind of makes me more interested to go grow my career into those kind of things. So at the end, I kind of decided to go to become a pharmacist. And while after become a pharmacist, I kind of worked for a couple of chain pharmacies and worked for a couple of hospital pharmacies as well. But since because I started my journey as a, like an independent pharmacy tech, I kind mm -hmm. of wanted to go into as an independent pharmacy. So back in 2007, we opened our own pharmacy in uh, here in East Norton, Pennsylvania, with ground up with zero patients, zero script. And um, it was a tough journey. But after five years, uh, it's kind of running successfully now, and uh, kind of it, it's like an amazing journey. And um, now I can see myself like as a better pharmacist after this many years. Like I can changing you know patients' life and uh, creating impact mm -hmm. in their life. So going back to India, what were some of the the biggest differences you saw in pharmacy from India to the United States? So the main difference is the career. So, you know, how here, like if you do accounting and after six months of accounting, if you decided this is not the career I want and you can switch to being a doctor or something else, we don't have an option like that. So based mm -hmm. on your high school, it decides your career. And being in the Indian family, you have three options. Either you become a doctor, engineer, or you become a lawyer. So <laughs> doctor is too far for me. And engineering <laughs> is something I didn't want it to do. So I end up being in the middle where being a pharmacist. So I started mm -hmm. my career being a pharmacist. It's not by choice. It just, I kind of jumped into it because of my high school grades. So um, initially, yeah, of course, it was kind of challenging. And I was good with math and uh, chemistry. So of course, it's quite kind of interesting for me. But then since I started becoming pharmacist and started working in a different setting, kind of after seeing, spending like what, 12, 13 years being a pharmacist, now I just kind of loving it. But if you consider difference between that uh, from India and here, it's just, over there is not a personal connection you share with your patients. Like usually it's more like mm -hmm. doctor and patient kind of a relationship, but not as a pharmacist and patient relationship. Here it's like here, even for the small thing, my patient would call me and like, hey, Manzil, I have this cold. What do you think? What should I take? Uh, over there, it's not like that. They'll call the doctor. So there is no a personal connection between pharmacists and a patient. Versus here, like mm. my, their first choice is calling me and rather than calling the doctor. So those are the different challenges you have over here and versus over there. 
Interesting. Uh, next question I have is why did you decide to become a pharmacist? But I, I kind of feel like you answered that a little bit. So let me change it a little bit. What mm -hmm. made you want to become a, um, an independent pharmacy owner? Obviously, you worked in a lot of different aspects of pharmacy. You said you worked with some chains. You, you've, you know, you worked in India versus, and then you worked here. You did a lot of different aspects throughout in the industry of pharmacy. But what, what eventually really uh, moved you toward being an independent owner? And what, what is that? Are you glad you did it? What does it look like for you today? So honestly, I feel like I made the right decision in my life to become an independent pharmacy owner. So as I told you, right, I started my career in the chain pharmacies. Uh, and also I worked in a couple of hospital pharmacies as well. The only problem over there is I was so busy with my work and because of the stringent SOPs and guidelines I have to follow at the chain pharmacies, I never had a time to pay a personal attention to my patients. It's all like fill the prescription, mm -hmm. give it to them and back to next patient back to neck patient. So it's just like I've never had a time to become a personal uh, attention to my patients versus when I, um, and plus when I was working as a pharmacy tech in independent pharmacy, I was kind of need, I was seeing my pharmacists kind of spending so much time with their patients. They know by their name, they know their whole family. They know like, you know, what they are taking. So even if they call, like they're like, oh yeah, I know you're taking this. So don't take this. You know, you have this particular drug you should take because of your other medicine. Versus in chain, nobody would know about anybody. So I always have a feeling that I know I'm doing pharmacy's role, but I'm not justifying the role 100%. Like the only way I can justify if I kind of do my own. So that's the reason back in 2007, I decided, you know what, um, let's start something our own and see how it goes. So initially, yes, it's kind of tough for me to build up my business. and to, But then since people starting knowing me and they're seeing mm -hmm. how much service I'm providing, then how more I'm personable to them, then I, it started building up and it came to the level that now I'm running very successful pharmacy. So once you made that decision and you went into owning your own pharmacy, you know, what's what's been your favorite part about being a pharmacist ever since you became an independent owner? So um, there are so many interesting things like I, so being a pharmacist, you always kind of have an impact on people's well-being and, you know, their overall, overall health. Um, you know, there's first thing like people always ask me is like, why you open the pharmacy nowadays? Because there are so many chain pharmacies. How are you going to survive? And uh, if pharmacies just, you just go to, the, go to the pharmacy, give prescription, they fill the prescription. So what do you make a different than those guys that make you survive? And I always tell them, like, it's it's about the service, like how you, how I'm going to treat you and how I'm going to be more personable to you. That mm -hmm. will make a difference and that will set me apart. And so, like, if I give an example, there are so many families I have who kind of go into drug addiction and opioid abuse, right? So I kind of always kind of, I don't treat them as a, like, a drug abuser. I kind of always see them as a, like a patient and I try to counsel them like what are the things out there you can try to get out from this and I always counsel them like you know what are the uh, ops, options or approach you can take to make your life a little bit better and you know for the kids and what they should do to make their kids life better and there's so many families kind of came out from it and those are the things like I wanted to do more so to to change their life 
And mm-hmm. I think that that those kind of things kind of make me going every day more and more and like, you know, to do changes in their life. So I think those kind of, when I see those smiles on their face, it just kind of make me going that, yes, you are in the right profession you're making change in somebody's life. That's awesome. All right. So you, you, like you said, you went through all these different phases in your life, traveling, doing pharmacy. If, if you had uh, one piece of advice that you can give to either a pharmacist or a student who's maybe thinking about becoming a pharmacist or even a, a recent graduate who is now thinking about either going with a chain or uh, working for an independent pharmacy, whatever it may be, what's that one piece of advice that you would give that person? So um, one thing I've been this many years, I noticed that whenever we used to get students in the pharmacy, um, they have a different picture about retail pharmacy. And when they mm-hmm. actually come in the market and start working, they're like, oh, my God, this is not something I'm ready for. So I always give an advice to any new pharmacy graduate is like, look for your options. Like during your school year, when you get rotations, try to explore different options. Just don't focus on the retail side. There are so many different things you do. You can do hospital, you can do nuclear pharmacy, you can do counseling pharmacy, you can do industry, like in research, or you can go to um, R&D, or you can do regulatory. There's so many options. Try to explore each options, and then at the end, decide which one is the right for you. Don't just yeah. jump into the situation like, oh, everybody's doing retail. That's the reason I said retail. Look what you were good at it and which options kind of suits you more better and try to explore your career into that path rather than just following everybody. Well, that that uh, wants me to ask you, uh, Manzil. So if you were, besides independent pharmacy uh, and being behind the counter and helping patients, as you so eloquently put it, if you weren't behind the counter, What's your other favorite facet of the I independent said, pharmacy I, I business? In the R&D. I was good at it. Oh, R&D. Okay. In, yeah. yeah. Research and I was good in chemistry and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, was, I, I always wanted to do research on, uh, you know, drugs and stuff. So I could have, if I don't see myself in the, being in the retail, I could have been in the research for sure. Yeah, definitely. So like studying drug interactions and yes, different types and, of, okay. Interesting. No, I love that. I always like to like hear like people's, different, uh, you know, different studies, like in between pharmacy, we talked to a, uh, a customer not too long ago, who was really into um, not only studying, but studying different viruses and how they interact and some of the upcoming new ones. And again, probably along those lines of R and D to um, see like what's upcoming and how they can implement it in their, in their pharmacy. Yeah. I think that's like, great. I have my background in like pharmaceutics a little bit. So that's the reason even in retail mm-hmm. side, I love compounding because it's just like something mm-hmm. different. And I challenge myself into something like, uh, okay, this new drug, uh, uh, you know, dosage form I need to make, how would I make it better? So that kind of gives me challenge, but because of my pharmaceutics background, it's just kind of challenging and it kind of gives me a different than my regular retail side. So that's the reason like those retail and like, you know, compounding stuff, it kind of makes me more interesting. That's why I always say like it's research probably would be a better option for me if I don't be a retail independent pharmacy. Uh, Before I ask you my last question here, I do want to ask you uh, a question touching on for each and every uh, pharmacist that we've interviewed here in this uh, great series is who's been your mentor in life? Who's been your mentor on the pharmacy side? Have you had a mentor that kind of helped you guide you the most, whether it be back in India or here, that kind of helped you develop your skill set or gave you the best advice when you open your new pharmacy? 
So I think uh, I when I gave my intro, I think I mentioned that like when I was in school, I was working as a pharmacy tech as a part time in the independent pharmacy. So that pharmacy, his mm-hmm. name is Kanti Patel. He's, he still owns the pharmacy in New York. Uh, that okay. guy inspired me throughout my his whole life. Um, like I've seen like how people admire him for every small thing and. He was so popular in the small town in Lynbrook in Long Island that everybody knows him by his name. And um, I always see myself like kind of becoming, not as a, like just being a pharmacist, as a humble person. Like I would never mm-hmm. see him being mad on anybody. So like, you know, jolly and happy nature. I would say like that that person inspired me a lot throughout my life um, mm-hmm. to become a pharmacist and being seeing him as an independent pharmacy owner. I always wanted to be like him. So kind of like that's kind of my reason. Like I kind of decided to go for, you know, being an owner of the pharmacy. That's awesome. Because because uh, it's always like to hear like your advice for young pharmacists, but some of the advice that you got, you know, as you were coming up as a young yeah. pharmacist, too. So thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite patient story or experience that you've had as a pharmacist? I know there's probably a lot of lives that you've, you know, touched upon and a lot of people that you've helped, but if you could pick out one specific story that has uh, really made an impact on you, what, what would that be? So, I mean, honestly, if you ask any independent pharmacy, they probably have a, like great stories to tell about their routine yeah, life, like sure. this patient. And then for, for me, if you ask me particular, my best experience throughout my pharmacy career is the COVID uh, pandemic. So during COVID pandemic, um, from like getting the mask, making the hand sanitizer to giving out vaccine, that's the experience which I got, which is like gonna stay with me throughout the life. Um, So initially I know there was like masks are like kind of hard to get. So uh, we partnered with a couple of um, distributors they were importing masks from overseas and we are the only one in the area who had the mask that time and then when there is a shortage of hand sanitizer and then fda released like the emergency guideline to make a hand sanitizer i remember i was staying overnight in the pharmacy making hand sanitizer to give it out to the nursing staff in the neighboring hospitals because they didn't have any hand sanitizer and during the vaccines. Uh, I was the first one in my county who got the vaccine. So uh, as soon as I got the vaccine, uh, uh, I reached out to a couple of local organizations, like one of the Primat Ambulance Clinic and ambulance uh, organization, local fire, police department, like the township. And with the team of those guys, we set up like multiple uh, vaccine clinic in the area, which each vaccine clinic, we used to do like 1,000, 2,000 vaccines a day. And so with their help, and we had like almost like 100 plus volunteers who up to those clinic to help out. And they are like the local guys who even I didn't know them and they just kind of keep coming in and helping out and directing traffic and, you know, helping out with making their cards. And so it was so amazing experience. And I'm pretty sure like there are so many guys like me uh, who, who did vaccine during the pandemic had the same success stories like me. But what sets apart is like, what I'm trying to say is like, during this pandemic, all this stuff, what the independent pharmacy brought to the community, which is kind of different than all other pharmacies out there. Uh, what sets us apart is like, when the community needs it, all the independent pharmacies shows up and stood up and took the challenge to, you know, give our vaccines to all this community and, you know, kind of make their life better versus, I mean, I'm saying like 
those things could have been done by the other chain pharmacies too. But I feel like the, the independent pharmacies have played a big role in doing the COVID epidemic um, in vaccinating the people. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We've we've heard so many stories about that. And I I keep reiterating that, you know, you guys are really, you were the unsung heroes before COVID happened. And I then that's what it is. Like the, yeah. the COVID epidemic kind of brought pharmacists into the picture that what we can do. Like before, honestly, we kind of seeing as a, just a pharmacy. Now they are seeing us as a provider that like these guys can do something better too. So now like more and more vaccines kind of coming on our way that they see that like, you know, if you give vaccines to the pharmacy, it's kind of reach out to the more broader audience than the just a small part of the group. So I, I think that like the COVID pandemic kind of makes pharmacists a better um person or like provider in the you know yeah yeah you you guys went from being the unsung heroes to literally the heroes uh you know during that time because you were the ones like you said you were the ones on the front lines when physicians couldn't get to get the patients and you know doctors had trouble and you know like you said the chain pharmacies couldn't handle the influx and you guys were there to kind of make it happen so we definitely appreciate that well uh, i want to say thanks to manzil for joining us on the show for providing so much valuable information for our independent listeners uh really love your passion man it's definitely coming through here and i hope everybody heard that uh please continue to celebrate american pharmacist month and thanks for subscribing to the cardinal health counter talk podcast we hope you enjoy this show if you haven't yet make sure you subscribe and download the cardinal health counter talk podcast wherever you get your podcast see you soon in the next episode thanks again Mundil, and take care thank everyone you. thank you